welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Cool. All right, awesome. Sit down, please, ladies. Turn to the girlfriend next to you and say, I'm so glad you're here. Do you know what I love? When you speak to the men, if we said to the men, turn to the guy next to you and say, so glad you're here, they go, ugh. You say to a woman, tell the girlfriend next to you, you say, we're so glad you're here. They don't stop at that. It's the oh, girlfriend, I'm so glad you're here. And oh, and the, because you're here, I love the way you do that. And did you see Trish when she did that? Oh my God. So the men are like, ugh. Girls are like, oh, so awesome. So which is a great intro into what I want to speak about uh, this afternoon, is that if you would notice that there's a massive difference between men and women. Do you get that? Do you pick that? See, I don't know, we have uh, bloke events here, it's called The Bloke, and you just have to throw the the bloke's beer and a burger and get a boxing ring in and biff it out and they're cool. But with women, we've got to do things like prissy things. Put nice things in the toilets, you know, and just uh, lace here and lace there. And, and so a woman's conference takes planning. Men are like, just give me the burger, give me the beer, sure, talk to me. But women are like, oh my, oh, and did you see this? And, did, and when we were in our old building and we only had three women's toilets, we used to, had to use the men's toilets. So what we used to do was put pot plants and shawl in the urinals. <laughs> Because it's like, we, don't want to get, we needed the women to use the men's toilets, but we didn't want them using the urinals, because that's not a good look. And sometimes if you've never been into a man's toilet, you're just like, what's that for? This is a strange toilet. Like, I feel a bit exposed. So we had to pretty it up. So you've got to think of all these things for a women's conference. But what you need to know is that we are different on purpose. We've been different by design. And you and I have been designed to be on team together. See, I never want women's conference to be an opportunity for us to have a go at the men. Because our men are amazing. I mean, have they served you brilliantly so far? <laughs> Often people, if you have met my husband or seen my husband, he is quite out there. I mean, he's like way out there. And even this morning when we were doing a rehearsal or something, someone said to me, your husband is crazy. I was like, girlfriend, I know. I like, I've spent 30 years of my life with him. I know what crazy looks like. And often people ask me, how do you compete with Tony? And the best answer I have for them is I don't compete with Tony because my job is to compliment him. And your job as women is to compliment the men in our world. We're not here to compete against them. It's not about us girls trying to be better than them, us girls trying to up, uh, one-up them. It's about, you know what, together we can do more. And that's why I love the fact that we get the men involved and they want to serve because they love it, but we love being served by them. So this is not about competing. This is about being on team together. Because I don't know if you are aware, but the Bible calls us suitable helpers. In the, um, I think it's Genesis 1 or Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 1, it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. You see, Ellie the elephant just didn't cut it for Adam. Gina the giraffe. I mean, I would have thought a man would go for a long neck because there's lots to nuzzle into, but no, Gina just didn't do it. 
And maybe Kathy the crocodile was just had a bit too much of a bite on her. But there was no animal in the animal kingdom that God designed that Adam just went, yeah, she does it for me. And so God had to come and make you and God had to come and make me. We've been created to be on team together. We've been designed the way we are by the hand of God. And I um, was just uh, on social media this week and I saw this brilliant joke. And it's talking about the creation of um, the earth. And it says, on the sixth day, God created man, and then he rested. And then it said, and then God created woman, and no one rested. (laughs) So we, you know what, with all the way we are, the way we're wired, the girly things, the things we like, the things that um, just make us different, it's by design. And we need to celebrate that. Conference is about celebrating that. God has put women in the world to bring things to this world. Lisa Bevere says, if man alone was better than the two with separate expression, then woman would never have been created. So girls, we've got to stop trying to be like the men and be like the girls that we are. Just be who you are. That's Trisha's whole concept when she's got her clothing out here and speaking life over you. It's like, be who you are. Your shape, your size, your colour, your height, there's nothing you can do about it. Be who you are. God has created you because there's an expression he wants you to bring to the world. Because pretty much what he's saying is if Adam had the whole package, we wouldn't need to be here. But Adam doesn't have the whole package. Is he any less? No. He just needs us, suitable helpers, to come alongside. I mean, one of those gifts that we have as women is the ability to gather. I mean, look at us. We've gathered together. Has anyone been to the bathroom today? I bet not one of you went by yourself. What is that with girls? It's like, I need to go to the bathroom. And we go, oh, oh, I'll go. You know, or someone says, oh, I don't need to, but I'll try. It's like, hello. <laughs> 44, three kids, I don't have to try. <laughs> you mentioned bathroom, I'm there. <laughs> like, what is it? Have you ever walked into the bathroom? And it's like, the bathroom stalls don't stop conversations. As we walk in, we continue. So it doesn't matter. I've walked into the bathroom. I've gone to the toilet. And there's one, two girls have obviously gone in. Someone was in. I've walked into the middle of a conversation. And you find yourself going, yes. I, yeah, that happened to me. Like just butting in. It's like we gather. That's part of our nature. It's part of our makeup. We've got the ability to draw alongside. These are, these are some of the inherent characteristics that us as women have, and we have it by design. We've got the ability to draw alongside. I love our partnership with Mercy Indonesia. To come alongside and say, you know what? There's some women and children in another part of the world who need our love and support. They need what we can give them. That's part of our makeup. It's part of who we are. We've got the ability to nurture just, I love seeing all the new mums and in the nursing mums rooms and all the babies, just nurture. And, and what I love about church is, you know what, sometimes as a new mum, you can be harassed and tired, but there's so many hands. When I had my kids, I hardly ever saw them. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Like, as long as I left with them, it was cool, all right? And uh, I have been known to leave my children behind, much to my shame. In fact, digress, but I can because it's a women's conference. The very first a significant woman event I brought my daughter Jordan to once she reached youth age and she could come. I left her here. I was so used to coming to conference and significant woman nights. I brought her, had our night. I drove home. I did not even think. I got home and uh, we had friends with us staying with us because she was speaking that night. We got home and Tony says to me, where's Jordan? I was like, oh, isn't she here? He's like, you took her with you. I was like, 
Bringing someone quick. Don't let her know I've left her. Tell her I asked you. I had to bring someone so home early. So I just undid my point because we're created to nurture. <laughs> and also we have the ability to influence. I'm talking about things that are in us that are by design. That we've been created and designed that way. And we have the ability to influence. I mean, we can host a Tupperware party. We'll get women to organize. I can organize a babysitter. I can organise friends. I'll make time in my diary to go and sit and listen to a lady who's going to tell me about plastic containers. <laughs> we can organise. We we've got influence. I can tell you how you need to have that Tupperware container. You'll go home after my Tupperware party with containers that you don't need. <laughs> but you just had to have them because that's in us, in our ability to influence. And I want to tell you this morning that that is in us by design. And that you have these abilities right now. You don't have to wait. We spend our life waiting. So, well, when, I'm, when I finish school, then I'll be able to do this. When I get married, then I'll be able to do this. When I have children, then I'll be able to do this. When I retire, when my kids are off my hands, when, 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 when. I'm telling you, you have those abilities and you have those abilities right now. Where you are right now, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, and your university, you have the ability to bring influence. 1 Corinthians 17 in the message, I love the translation, it says, and don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey, love and believe right there. Girlfriend, you have the ability to gather to nurture, to draw alongside the girlfriends and the men in your world. And here's the catch. You have those abilities for good and you have those abilities for bad. We have the ability as women, based on our design, our created way, to put things in the ears of others. Now, that's just not a gift for little boys. Okay? I know a story, my mother-in-law tells me the story about one of my brother-in-laws who shall remain nameless, but I only have two, so you can pick which one it is. And she tells me the story of how he used to have this habit where he would suck his thumb and rub his ear. And what he used to do, he used to catch flies and shove them in his ear. They found 10 flies in his ear when he went to the doctor. So it's not just a gift of little boys to put things in the ear. And I'm not talking about jewellery, because, you know, we've all got our, most of us have our ears pierced and we can put jewellery. But we have the gift by design, we've been created to be able to put things in the ears of others. We've been positioned as women to have the ears of people in our world. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. But it's, been, it's something that has been, God has created us for this purpose. You know what? God knew that this world needs our influence. This world needs our ability to gather like this, our ability to say, come, what do you mean you're not coming to conference? What? You need your head read. You've got to come to conference. Conference is where you're going to meet some great girlfriends. Conference is where you're going to experience God. Conference is where uh, the stuff on the inside we can deal with. We can do some serious business. We can leave change. What do you mean? We've got this ability to influence. We're together, to come alongside. What do you mean you're not going to partner with us in Indonesia? What do you mean you're not going to get involved in this program? What do you mean? We've got this ability to partner, to come alongside, to have influence, 
and to nurture. And you know what? This is what you have to understand. The world understands that about women, I think, more than we understand that. Because that's why advertising is aimed at you. Have you ever, do you watch the TV? Do you watch the commercials? Is that when you get up and make your cup of tea? You don't watch the commercials? If you watch the commercials, let me tell you this. Next time, sit down, make your cup of tea when your program's on. That's why you've got record. And then watch the commercials. Because the world knows your ability to influence. And I believe the world knows your ability to influence better than you and I know our ability to influence. Because that's why you'll notice advertising's aimed at you. They've recognised if mummy's happy, everybody's happy. Have you seen the breakfast cereal ads? I don't know about you, but every breakfast cereal ad, let me tell you, if you look at mum, she's happy. Woohoo, there's a win. Her uh, kitchen is spotless. <laughs> I mean, I just looked at mine this morning and walked out the door and said, Lord, just don't let it be covered with ants. I'll deal with it later. I can do anything else but not ants. Her kitchen is spotless. Her children are immaculate. Like they're clean and pressed, like their clothes. I don't think Mitchell's uh, school shirt's ever seen an iron. It's like, that'll do. <laughs> they're immaculately dressed. They're well behaved. And what does that have you doing? So I want wheat bix because I want kids like that. <laughs> I want wheat bix because I want I want a kitchen like that. Advertising recognizes the influence of women, and advertising is aimed at you because it understands if we put something in your ear, you'll put it in someone else's ear. The enemy, and we have an enemy, ladies, also knows that we have this influence. And again, I dare to say, I believe the enemy often knows that better than we do ourselves. He knows that we have influence, and he's after our influence. Do you know that that's why the enemy targeted Eve in the garden? For those of you who don't know the story of Adam and Eve, where God had said he'd created this wonderful garden, had made Adam and Eve, said to them, go rule, do what you like. You can eat of anything except what? This one tree. And one day they were in the garden, and the enemy comes up to Eve, because Eve wasn't present when God said, Eve, Eve took that, by what Adam had told her. God had told Adam, Adam told Eve. Eve was happy until the enemy decided he was going to have a game. And he pulled her aside one day and said to her, Eve, actually, you know what? Did God really say? He said, did God really say? And Eve's like, good point. I don't know. Did God really say? And then he said, no, because God, what uh, God had said was, if you eat of that tree, you will die. And the enemy says to Eve, you won't die. You'll just know the difference. Eve put that thought, Eve, the devil put that thought in Eve's mind. Do you know why? Because he knew she would put that in the ear of Adam. The enemy knew he couldn't go to Adam because God had said to Adam, this is it. Adam was set. But he knew the influence of the woman, influenced by design, influenced to come alongside, influenced to put things in the ear of Adam. The enemy knew if he put this in Eve's ear, she would have a better influence and a better outworking over Adam. He knew she would put it in the ear of Adam. And my question for you this afternoon is, what are you putting in the ear of others? What are you putting in the ear of others? That's why we've called this conference Inside Out, because what's on the inside comes out. And we need to be healthy on the inside, because if you're healthy on the inside you'll be healthy on the outside. 
Mark 7.20 says, it's not, uh, it's not what comes out of a person that defiles them, for it's from within a person, uh, from within a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. Often we have this concept, well, if I just remove some of these distractions, and sometimes we need to, but it's not those distractions externally. It's those things we've allowed to come on the inside that come out of us and make us act and respond the way we do. Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What you are full of is what you will put in the lives of others. I mean, you've experienced Trish on these last two sessions. I mean, she's full of life. She's full of faith. She's full of generosity. She's full of encouragement. You can't leave her presence without being full of that yourself. It's contagious. What is in Trish is what rubs off onto all of us. And what's in you and what's in me is what rubs off on all of us. And often in leadership, when you're dealing with people and you know that they're either hurt or offended or there's jealousy or there's bitterness, there's anger, there's resentment, whatever's in, often when you're talking with people, we're saying, you know what, we really, girlfriend, we really need to deal with that. And I don't know about you, I know I've had the response where I just go, well, what does it matter really? What really doesn't matter? If it's my issue, can't we just leave it there? Nobody needs to know. But I'm here to tell you today, you know what? We need to deal with it because what's in comes out. And we think, oh, but nobody knows. Well, you know what? We do know because what's in comes out. It, it filters through everything you do. It filters through what you say. It filters through how you interact. As much as Trisha's generosity and life and effervescence and joy and fun filters and it lifts the atmosphere of a room, What's in us does exactly the same, whether it's good or bad. So that's why it's important for us to have a healthy inside because by design, and this is what I really want you to catch, by design, we will transfer it. And you know what? I don't want you to get the concept of, well, I'm just made this way. I'm, we've been, we have been designed to have the ear, but for good. But we live in a fallen world where everything that's good is being an onslaught from the enemy and just from the way the world is to corrupt that goodness in us and make it bad. And I'm saying it's a great thing, our design. Our way to influence and to nurture and to gather and to have the ear, it's a great, it's a God-given gift. It's what he wants us to do because this world needs our influence. But my question is, what kind of influence are you being? And I want to share quickly with us this, morning, uh, this afternoon and, and look at a story of a woman who got offended. And I wanna see what happens because as I travel the globe and as I look into my own life and spend time with women, I think offense is one of the biggest things that we girls have to deal with. We get offended easily and when we let that offense rule in us, it's damaging to everybody we come in contact. So I wanna look at this story of this offended woman and see what we can learn from her story. So I'm gonna to read to you from Mark chapter 6, verses 17 to 28. It says, For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound up and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, whom he'd married. For John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge 
against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with the orders to bring John's head. The man went and beheaded John in the prison. A woman carried an offence and a man lost his head. And that's what I want to be able to talk with us this afternoon. You know what, the first thing that stands out to me about this story is, in actual fact, the woman was wrong. It wasn't like, you know, she had a right to hold this offence. She actually was in the wrong. What John was saying was true. This was not John coming alongside her and saying, you know what, this is my preference. I would rather prefer you to be this way. Or, you know, he wasn't lying about it. What John was actually saying was truth. And how did she respond to the truth? She got mad. She was like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? I often, when we're dealing with people, people have, there's a saying and people have this concept that it's the truth that'll set you free. And I'm here to tell you that that's a half truth because the truth does set us free, but it sets us free when we respond to truth. Herodias, what she was doing was actually wrong. You know what? She was with another man, another wife's, another woman's husband. She was an adulterer. So she was in the wrong. John was saying, you know what, honey, what you're doing is actually not right. And really, here's how she should have responded. It should have been a, wow, actually, I didn't realise that. Oh, well, thank you for caring and having enough concern for me to be able to speak up, to be able to let me know what she was doing was wrong. She could have said, wow, wow, the fact that you had the courage to show me, I just didn't know, I was unaware. I I didn't know that that's the way it was. She could have spoken up that way. And my question to us is, what are we dabbling with that God maybe, or even a good godly friend, is actually calling you on? What kind of gossip? You know, in the back corner at school? Maybe exclusiveness. Let's just leave this girlfriend out. Let's just have our own exclusive club. Your work ethic. Maybe the boss has been talking to you about, you know what, you're just a little bit slack not quite doing it right, maybe your dress, someone's kind of drawn alongside you and said, you know what, honey, just the way you dress, it's a little bit inappropriate. It's just not helpful for where you're at. It's not helpful for those around you. It's not going to help you get a job. It's not going to, maybe someone's sidled up to you, spoken to you about an inappropriate relationship. They're not bad people, but possibly they're just not good for where you're at. They're not going to help you in your future destiny. Boundaries, 
Maybe someone's drawn alongside you and said, you know what, I'm watching the way you're doing life. You're in the way too fast lane. You're hitting really, really fast. I think you need to slow down. Something's got to give. Something's got to go. You might not be like Herodias and have another woman's husband, but what's in your life? What are you doing with that someone's had the courage to come up to you and say, you know what, honey, because I love you, because I'm for you, I just want to highlight this. I don't know, but how then the responsibility comes down to how are you responding? Are you going to respond like, wow, you know what? That takes courage for you to have said that. I, I really appreciate I might not like what you said, but it's true. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having the courage to say that. Or are you going to respond like Herodias, where it says, Herodias nursed a grudge? And I've got my little friend here. And her name is Sydney. She was Geordie's baby. And I just want you to get the picture of what the Bible is saying here. It says that Herodias nursed a grudge. Now, when I hold a baby like this, what kind of picture does it conjure up? It's a mother feeding. This is nursing a grudge. Herodias was told, what you're doing is not right. And rather than responding and saying, thanks for caring for me, she picked up her baby, that who do you think you are? Who do you think you are telling me that? What's wrong with what I'm doing? She picked up her Sydney and then she nursed it, which means she fed it. I mean, what do you do when a baby cries? Ah, ah. You're like, sorry guys at the back. Got it. Or if you're a new mum, you're like, oh, I don't know. Special K, special K, I don't get it. So just getting a bit heavy, thought I'd. When you nurse a grudge, it's like nursing a baby. You feed this baby from your own life source. That's what feeding is. So that means, you know what? That thing that they said, I'm, I feed it. So when I go to bed at night, I'm th- I can't sleep because I'm thinking about who does she think she is? She told me that I look a little bit tacky in the way I dress. Who does she think she is? She told me that that relationship has changed the way I behave. Who does she think she is? She told me, you know what? I'm doing life a little bit too fast. Something's got to give. I'm concerned about you because maybe, you know what? This is heading for disaster. You could hit a wall. could take you out or someone else. Who does she think she is? It's giving that grudge your life source. And I believe there are women here today doing the same thing. Somebody said something to you. Somebody possibly has even done something to you. And you are holding that grudge, that offence, and you're nursing it. You are feeding it from your own life source. You carry it. I mean, everywhere you go, grudge Sydney goes with you. It's like one of those baby carriers. So I've got baby in here because I need to wash the dishes. So if I get one of those baby slings, I can wash the dishes. So it doesn't matter. Baby's still with me. Still can. Never putting it down. Baby's with me, but I'm getting along business, doing what I'm normally doing, in there washing dishes, doing it. But babe, I'm still sucking the life out of me. Still feeding it, carrying it, nursing it, tending for it. It's getting a bit, I think, baby's had a bit too much to eat, a bit stinky. Going to change it. But tending for it, caring for it like it's a child. Developing a personal attachment. But you don't understand. This is my offence. I really, I really worked hard to, to get into this crowd. 
I did everything I needed, and now you're telling me that that's not helpful. No, but it's, it's like a child. And many of us do life with a, an offence like a child. We nurse it. This is what Herodias did. She said, who does that man think he is? And she nursed a grudge. Every time she... Can you imagine? Imagine the king. Every time she went to bed. Mm, that John. John. You know what he said about me, Jim? What are you going to do about John? When they sat down to dinner. What are you going to do about John? Do you know what John said about me? Do you know what think John thinks about me? Every time he went to dinner. They went out shopping. John. 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 <laughs> she has the ear of her husband. Women, we've got the ear of the people in our world. And if we're carrying a friend, we're feeding it like a baby. Everything we do, grudge goes with us. Hurt goes with us. Offence goes with us. What are you nursing? What's been spoken to you, shared to you? What's happened to you, good or bad, out of your control even? You're hurt, you, it had nothing to do with it. What are you nursing? What are you carrying? What are you raising? What is sucking the life out of you? What disappointment? What harsh words? What unmet expectations? When they didn't have to say it like that. They don't understand my situation. All true, but still sucking the life out of you. Herodias nursed her grudge like she nursed a baby. And this is what's scary, girls, is her offence moved to a murderous heart. She wanted him dead. I mean, really. He said to her, you know, what you're doing is not right. It's like, well, why don't you just move on? Okay, okay, whatever, that's your opinion, I've got mine. An offence, when we feed it, nurse it, it becomes what part of us, it turns into a murderous heart. She wanted him dead. Let me tell you this, girls, offence is irrational. It is irrational. You just, it doesn't make sense. And then anything after that doesn't make sense. When offence is in there, it turns everything else irrational. You can sit there and think, well, how did I respond? Why did I, what is going on? That's offence. It's irrational. It turned into a murderous heart. If you don't deal with offence, it'll have you thinking, It'll have you doing things you never dreamt of. Offence kills dreams, it kills relationships, it kills potential, and it kills opportunities. Her offence moved into a murderous heart. Then do you know what happened? An opportunity came for offence to speak. Offence can have a voice. And if we've got the ear of those around us, we can put offence into the ears of others. The enemy, it said in verse 21, says the enemy create an opportune time came. The enemy will create an opportune time. The enemy will open a door for you to express your grudge. In other words, someone comes up to you and they've spoken to you maybe about a particular behaviour You'll be in the schoolyard, be chatting with your friends, someone else will come up and they'll say the same thing. Oh, so-and-so spoke to me about that too. Oh, she spoke to me about that too. There's a door. You have an opportunity right there. When someone comes up and says, do you know what Sharon said to me? You say, no. Sharon said, blip, blip, blip. You've got an opportunity right there because if Sharon has said it to you, 
you can say, actually, you know what? I can see what Sharon's saying. I agree with what Sharon's saying, so I can speak up. Or, here's what offence does. Sharon said that to me too. Let's form the I don't like Sharon club. And we're too clever to call it that, but that's what we do. We don't label it, but yeah, we've got the I don't like Sharon club. And then, let's go and get members. It's like, we'll have a membership drive. We figure, you know what, we're not even going to do the, what do they call the initiation? Like, just make it easy. Come on. Who's got an offence against Sharon? Oh, good, I see that. Yep, great. Come on, join us. Sorry to all the Sharons out there. We don't have an offence to Sharon. An opportunity will come for your hurt to speak. Right there and then, your offence will find a voice. Listen to what happened. The daughter danced beautifully before the king. Went there, the king said, you know what, up to half my kingdom you can have. What do you want? So can you picture it? This little girl, she's danced her heart out. She goes up to her mum. She says, mum. I mean, she could have been 19, 20. She's be like, I'd be going, rings. Chloe, bling, give me outfits, shoes, like half the kingdom. I want money. Give me the gold. She goes to her mum. Mum, up to half the kingdom. What's her mother's response? She says, get the head of John the Baptist. Offence spoke. You know what? You know what mother should have done? If mother wasn't nursing grudge Sydney, mother should have said, you know what, girlfriend? Ask for this. Hey, you're positioned in your school for this. Why don't you ask for influence? Why don't you ask for favour? Why don't you ask for this? And we often come before God and say, God, I want this. You know what? I want this. I want them to cop it, Lord. I want them to smite them, almighty smiter. Do this. Do that. And we're supposed to be here saying, God, I want influence. I want power. You know what? I want to be able to make a difference in the lives of those kids in Indonesia. I want to make a difference to the lives of people in my neighbourhood. Not this, oh, I want this and I want that. Offence speaks. Mother said to the daughter, go and get the, key, uh, go and get the head of John the Baptist. And that's exactly what she did. Her offence became her daughter's. The mother had the ear of the daughter and she had influence over her daughter. Her offence became her daughter's. Her mother's language was hers. Did you get the reference? You see what the daughter said? She didn't go into the king. Now here she can go to the king and say, give me this, give me that. She goes into the king. She doesn't say, my mum wants John the head, uh, John the head's Baptist, John the Baptist's head. You remember when you were a kid? My friend likes you. Do you want to go out with her? You know, that kind of, I don't want to ask, they don't want to ask you, but I'll get someone to ask you. That wasn't the girl. She didn't go and say, I'd like to ask for this, but my mother said I must ask for this. Her language was this, I want the head of John the Baptist. Don't sit there, girlfriend, and tell me your offence is not hurting anyone. Your offence is not having any influence. Your offence, it's okay, just leave me with me and my baby offence. I'm used to my baby offence. I like my baby offence. I feel naked if I, drop my, if I get rid of my baby offence. I feel inadequate because I've, got, I've nursed this child. It's part of who I am. Her offence affected. She had the ear of her daughter and she spoke into her daughters and her daughter's language changed. The mother's offence became the daughter's offence. And we have the ears of those around us and we have to be so careful because of what's in here comes out. 
And soon our language will rub off onto our young generation. And we want to see daughters who are going to rise up and go further and farther and do greater and bigger things. But if we don't get it right here, we're going to hinder their destiny and their process. We're going to be the ones who hold them back. We're going to be, well, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? We have to look in the mirror because our daughter's language comes from us. And we've got to be, we have got to get to that point. Let's deal with our offence so that we can be putting positive things into the ears of those. You know, you're not just a grandmother or a mum or a friend. You've got influence and you need to use that influence wisely. You need to be as grandmother speaking life over your daughters and your granddaughters, getting them to go run faster, further than you ever hoped or dreamed. No, no, when I, no, you're just young now. Wait till you get to my age. You should be grandma saying, catch me if you can. Come on, I'm on, dare you. Come on, catch me if you can. Her offence became her daughter's, or her language became her daughter's language. That's why we need to deal with offence ruthlessly. Because by design, not an excuse, because we are all responsible and will be held responsible for how we behave, but by design, that's how we are created, to, uh, to influence and put things in the ear. By design, we will pass on our offence to others. And this is what I'm feeling God says when we have to do. God's saying, girlfriend, you who've been hurt, you who've got an offence, you who's struggling, justified or not, this is what God wants you to do. Good, I hope it shocked you. It's supposed to. Drop the baby. Drop the baby. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't really care what it is. But the offence you are carrying, the offence you are nursing, you are supplying with your own, you're keeping it alive from your own life source. You say to me, I don't have joy. I don't have peace. I don't have um, faith. I don't have hope for the future. I don't have vision. No, because grudge is sucking the life out of you. God is saying to us, his daughters today, drop the baby. It was never, never a child you were designed to carry. It's time, girls, for us to drop the baby. You want to be healthy on the inside? Then we need to do some inside work. We need to stop feeding it. We need to stop caring for it. We need to stop carrying it. It has lived with you for far too long. That is not the child that you and you and you were destined to carry. It is not your child. Drop the baby. God is saying to us, his daughters, don't settle for a head on the wall when you can have half the kingdom. Don't settle for the head on the wall when you can have half the kingdom. Don't let your language be that of the mothers that said, I want the head of John the Baptist. I want my revenge. I want my justification. I want my vindication. Don't let that. You can have half the kingdom. So I want influence, God. I want open doors. I want access into people's lives so I can speak life and favour and grace over them. Can I tell you something? You will not be satisfied even when you get the head. I, can't, I guarantee I was not there, but you can't tell me that Herodias got satisfaction with the head of John the Baptist. She got revenge, but I don't believe revenge 
for the satisfaction. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.